Hello and welcome into the whole nine yards. I'm Keaton Smith with Gabe Travis, Brock Krusky, haven't said that, said that name in a long time, and Dominic Carrera, Brock's back for his first show since last April, I think. Yeah, that's correct. So it's been eight or nine months since that point, and you were doing some coaching this this uh, football season, so you weren't going to be able to be on the show. What were you doing there uh, at the local high school? Uh, yeah, I was uh, assistant D-line coach down at uh, Maryville High School. It was a good season, really good season for the Spoof Hounds, you know. Uh, yeah, I've seen. I saw you work with some D linemen. And I'd, you see, I've seen some clips of you uh, improving some some edge rushers. Uh, I guess bags in there from their pass rushing moves. I've yeah, you know, it's it's fun working with the kids. It's it's it's. I think it's really rewarding as a coach to see mm-hmm. like them taking a correction and applying it to their game, and then actually seeing it on the field. That's like a different experience from like anything yeah. I felt before. It's rewarding. Definitely. Yeah, that was uh, really cool to see you get to do that this season. Um, I assume you'll be doing it again next season. Oh, yes, sir. And that'll be cool to see again there. So, unfortunately, won't have you for, or probably won't have you for the beginning of first semester for the show, but it's good to have you back now. And we're going to talk some football. And, man, do we have some football to talk about. We had two pretty crazy AFC and NFC championship games. Those teams now playing in the Super Bowl. That'll be the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers, who became victorious on Sunday. Kansas City, they played first at 2 o'clock in Baltimore. They were able to go in and steal the show. From the Ravens ended up winning 17 to 10. A really tightly contested game. That game felt like it was close for all of it, if not not just the last couple minutes. And then we look at the Niners and Lions game. That game was a, a really big comeback from the San Francisco 49ers, and Lions just weren't able to hold on to get to their first Super Bowl appearance ever. So that kind of uh, was unfortunate for them, but we'll get into that more. Uh, a little bit later. So before we do too much, we usually do a this or that. But instead of that, we're going to go ahead and do a, a top five list, a top five impact players in the Super Bowl. So I made the rules, no quarterbacks. And, yeah, we're going to do players that we think can impact the game uh, the most, I guess, out of non-quarterbacks. So, uh, Dom, if you want to start with your, your list there, we can work around the table. Oh, uh, so I, I didn't really do it sort of uh, in order of like guys that can make the biggest impact, but mm-hmm. I think guys that yeah. need to have the biggest impact. Okay. Okay. So number five, I went Pacheco. I feel like for like the Chiefs' offense is such a sort of ball control offense this year. They're not putting up. We're not putting up a bunch of points. Sort of. We're not running mm-hmm. like, and we're not built for a track meet necessarily. So I put Pacheco. I feel like I mean he went for twenty four times last week, but only put up sixty eight yards. The Niners' run defense is a little bit worse than the Ravens, so I feel mm-hmm. like he has to get it going out of a big game. Uh, number four, I put Rasheed Rice. I mean, all the attention is going to go to Kelsey, and mainly this is Rasheed and sort of all the receiving core is uh, winning those one-on-one matchups mm-hmm. because most likely Fred Warner is going to take away Kelsey, and it most likely would have been Hufanga, but he's out. So it's going to... Hold on. Sorry. Before I stop there, we'll go one-on-by-one around the table. I oh, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. But Rashid was your number four. So, yeah, uh, if you want to do your number five, then Brock. Yeah, so I did more, like, obscure players, people that um, maybe these guys don't have on their list. Mm-hmm. This first one might be somebody. I put George Karloftis, and the reasoning behind that is, you know, I felt like in this game Charles Omanihu would have been our biggest weapon defensively just because he came from the Niners and he practiced against somebody like Trent Williams every single day. Mm-hmm. And he knows his tricks. He knows how to beat him probably. But uh, the fact that he's injured takes away a big part of that defense that I think would have been special. And I think that George Karloftis has a very good chance to be impactful in this game. Like, he's been amazing all the last half of the season right. and into the playoffs. But, like, I think for him to make a monster impact in this game, he's going to be – He's gonna have to incorporate more speed moves and less power moves because you know you can't you can't try a bunch of bull rush and power moves against Trent Williams. You're gonna get right. you're gonna get the back numbers. Yeah, you're gonna get on the grass. Numbers. Yeah, so I think that's a good pick. I think Carl Loftus definitely has to has a, have to have a big game, especially with like you said, uh, Omeni who being out. So Gabe, your number five. Uh, mine was Rice. Um, Rice. I I think Rice needs a breakout for this game to go in your guys' favor. He started what is your wide receiver five? At yeah, the beginning of the season, five. and he's yeah. your clear wide receiver one. So, yeah, I think Rice being able to be an mm-hmm. X-Factor player is a no-brainer. Yeah, uh, Dom agreed with that one. That was his number yeah. four. Uh, I'm going to go with Legereus Sneed as my number five. Legereus Sneed, the guy that has 
the biggest ability probably in this league to take away any so opposing good. team's number one wide receiver. And uh, boy, does this team that they're going, the Chiefs are going against have some wide receivers and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who had a big game last week. So uh, they really can, the Niners can really come at you from a lot of different ways. And if Snead is able to take away, if just one or one of those weapons every play, it's really going to uh, take away a read and a, take away a lot from Brock Purdy because he does have a lot of weapons. So Snead's going to come in at my number five. We'll skip Dom because he already said uh, Rasheed was his number four. So you're number four, Brock. So my number four, I'm going to go with the first 49er here. It's going to be right tackle Colton McKivitz. Uh, he hasn't been bad this year, but I, like we're going back to Charles Omanayu. Mm. The fact that he's out, I think they're going to, I think Spagnolo is going to move Chris Jones a lot more out to that edge, mm-hmm. which means that Karloftis is going to be sticking on that other, on that, uh, Right side going against uh, that tackle, yeah, yeah, going against Trent Williams. Then Colton McKivicks is going to be tasked with blocking and maintaining Chris Jones, and that's not a tall task whatsoever. So if he wants to make a good impact, he needs to be able to plant his feet early and not and be patient with his hands because you know Chris Jones' signature move, the nice little forklift maneuver where he gets his arms underneath the elbows and just lifts mm-hmm. him over, beats him before he gets touched. Uh, so he's got to be patient with those hands, and I, I'm going to guarantee he's going to see like half of his pass protection snaps going against Chris Jones this week or next week. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good draw. That's definitely a big game for this offensive line of the Niners. So you're number four there, Gabe. Um, I had Fred Warner because I think if Fred Warner's going to be covering Kelsey, that's going to yeah. be a big matchup. Um, and run stopping too because it's like what uh, did you say Pacheco mm-hmm. okay so similar to mm-hmm. Dom's take with Pacheco I think Fred Warner is going to have to be a big part in stopping those holes up the middle that yeah. could potentially open up um, yeah yeah we saw I was going to say we saw Kelsey still win sideline to sideline against guys like Kyle Hamilton last week so Fred Warner it's even with Kelsey being 34 years old it's still no no simple task to cover him. Uh, we talked about Chris Jones a little bit in the or Brock was anyway and he's going to come in at my number four uh, we talked about, again, your D-line's a little bit hurt now if you're the Chiefs, and Chris Jones was really the guy that was fraying up so many holes in one-on-one situations for his edge rushers all year, and he's really going to have to come in big if he wants to free up. You know, now backup edge and probably Mike Dana, who will be getting that those minutes instead of uh, the former 49er, Charles Amenihu. So, yeah, Chris Jones is going to have a big game, like you said, probably going to get more one-on-ones now, try and move him to the edge, win him, or try and get some wins on that edge. So Chris Jones has to play big, has to uh, get some pressure in the face of Brock Purdy, who didn't see much in that second half. So uh, now you're number three, Dom. Uh, I picked. I put Kyle Shanahan. Okay. Uh, I like, I like, interesting. I like, I I like, that. Players, I like that. But I feel like the entire, uh, like, the Niners offense is so based on timing and scheming, and if it's not Purdy that's – scheming because obviously we said no quarterbacks Mm -hmm. but I I feel like Shanahan is going to have to create a script and I think the biggest story between the Bills and the Ravens game which we'll get into later is a deviation from what works and what works is running the football against the Chiefs Um, but if you're passing with how talented Snead and McDuffie are and outside and I got a dude I want to talk about later that's going to come in to play but it's it's going to come down to how well can Kyle Shanahan make a second-year quarterback facing the best DC in postseason history. So I think the and he hasn't gotten over the hump really. So this is like kind of a prove-it game for Kyle Shanahan, I think. So that's okay. why I'm at three. You're number three, then Brock. So you mentioned Snead. You mentioned 49ers receivers, especially wideouts. My third guy is Jalen Watson, and you know there's a high likelihood mm-hmm. that Jalen Watson is going to be responsible for covering Debo Samuel because Debo Samuel lines up outside 60% of the time compared to any other spot on the field. Yep. And we know that Brennan Ayuk is the X on that 49ers offense. He's going to be lined up opposite. So Snead is, I'm guessing, going to be covering Ayuk. That's what I X. was guessing too. And so that leaves McDuffie in the slot probably covering one of their gadget guys. But Jalen Watson is probably going to be the guy to cover and be tasked with locking down Debo Samuel, which is obviously like a difficult thing to do, but... I think that just the way this defense, this this back end of this defense has been playing this season, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's like that demanding, considering I I believe that Debo Samuel is incredibly overrated. Um, mm. But uh, Jalen Watson, yeah, he's going to be a big impact player for Kansas City. That's a good get, I think, because obviously. You think of I or Debo as more of like a manufactured touch guy, but he he's, lines he's up the product. A lot. He was the product of. Uh, Mike McDaniel, when he was the OC there, like you yep. notice, he hasn't had the same stats whatsoever now that McDaniel's gone, and it's it's he's not he's not a great. I think Ayuk's better than him, 100. percent 
Interesting take. I, I'm. We'll see what uh we can say about the, that a little bit later. But you're number three, Gabe. Uh, I'd Sneed. It's Sneed, funny that yeah. you mentioned Sneed earlier, but I think Sneed going to be lined up with either Debo or Ayuk, depending on the package, is going to be a big matchup because yeah. I think if Sneed locks down whoever he's on, then you got McDuffie on the other side. So if you can lock Ayuk, I think that makes covering Debo easier, vice versa. Yeah, Sneed, like we said earlier, has been really one to take away the X from a lot of teams this year. And uh, like Brock said, Ayuk's going to be lined up in that X, X a lot. So it's going to be Sneed versus Ayuk, and Ayuk had a big game last week in the NFC Championship. So it's going to be a really big matchup in this year's Super Bowl. And my number three, obviously, you got to throw in a guy like CMC if you're using bigger names. CMC clearly going to have to have a, one of his better games for the Niners to come out victorious. We saw what the Bills and Josh Allen were able to do running the ball over the Chiefs, and then we saw the Ravens do the exact opposite of that yesterday, and it re- or not yesterday, a couple days ago, and it didn't really work out for him. So CMC is going to have to be efficient. He's going to have to probably get in the end zone for the Niners to win. So that's my number three. You're, you're number two now, Dom. Uh, I, I put uh, Chamari Connor actually. Okay. So uh, out of the three rotational guys, because Snead and uh, Snead McDuffie are your sort of – uh, bookend corners. Uh, that's like McDuffie moves from the slot to outside. Uh, Jamari Connors played the most. Uh, he, had the, he had the highest snap count last week out of Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Jamari Connor himself. And he played. Yeah. He's played spectacular uh, in the Bills game, uh, cu- coming in for when Mike Edwards went out mm-hmm. with injury. And I feel like uh, the slot in sort of in between the hashes is going to be very important in this game. And I feel like Chamari Connor has been the best option that the Chiefs has had fourth-round pick out of Virginia Tech. Um, and I think it's going to have to take away because it's a timing-based offense. Purdy has looked very good whenever it's a quick one-two pop out of the pocket. So I put Chamari – I think – I don't think a lot of people really know who Chamari Connor is, and I think he's yeah. really talented. I think Spags is going to scheme his guy open. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, Chamari Connor this week. So now you're number two, Brock. Um you know, we saw the injury to uh, Joe Tooney. That's heavily unfortunate, so I'm going to have to go with Nick Allegretti. That's a good guess. As my number two. Like and, you know, we remember back in the Super Bowl of 2020, facing the Bucks. it was COVID year or whatever, they did not look good because most of their offensive line was out. Nick Allegretti was one of those guys on the offensive line that was tasked, and Mahomes was bullied all day. I don't think he lets that happen again. But I'm not saying it's going to be an easy thing because you're going against two very talented interior defensive linemen and Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave. And those are two guys that will make an impact, especially Javon Hargrave. Yeah. You're going to have to protect Mahomes from the inside, and you know Creed's going to obviously have to move around, do what he needs to do. But Nick Allegretti, he, he played solid last week. I will give him that. He looked really good basing. He was really solid in pass protection. He didn't get beat. Um, but it's going to be a very – it's going to be a different situation in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I, I think that's a good get. I absolutely agree. Nick Allegretti played decently well last week for the for the All-Pro, Joe Tooney. So you're number two now, Gabe. I did Kelsey. Um, yeah. I think that's just pretty First basic. popped up. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing really much to say, but if Kelsey has a game like he did against the Ravens where, what was the stat line? Like 11 catches, almost 200 yards and a touchdown? Yeah. 11, 11, 11 for like 115. And okay, okay, my fault. But yeah. either way, if he has that same stat line, I think it that's a, gives you guys a really good chance. Yeah, that's pretty much going to be the matchup is him and Fred Warner, and Fred Warner is actually who comes in at my number two. And I've just really never seen a guy able to control the middle of the field, middle linebacker-wise, like I have Fred Warner. Obviously, you've seen guys like Luke Kuechly, Ray Lewis, all those, but in this modern day and age, I think Fred Warner is able to take away the pass and the run collectively better than a lot of people that I've seen. So I've seen clips of him taking away multiple routes and, <clears throat> able to track down the quarterback and run him out of bounds and, you know, just rack up so many things that are not going to be shown on the stat sheet, but hope your team win in the end. And Fred Warner, uh, yeah, that's the matchup with him and Kelsey. So that really, I think, rules the day. Whoever wins that matchup, I think, is going to probably probably win the game. That's a, that's a tough one. So Fred Warner coming in at my number two, and now you're number one. <laughs> it's CMC. It's Yeah. I mean, CMC anytime. No Kelsey on your list. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like Kelsey's kind of a yeah. given. I didn't yeah. really want – because, like, Fair. I had I had Karloftis <laughs> slash Chris Jones and I, that the matchup between yeah. him and uh, – uh, him in their O line, but it's like I don't know. I kind of wanted to think, but like McCaffrey is such a given mm-hmm. that like the thing that the Bills and the Ravens did and got away from is the designed run. Ravens only had eight designed runs and they were averaging like five yards a carry on it. Shanahan's not gonna not gonna stray away from that. They're gonna run McCaffrey twenty twenty five times a game, and he's probably destined to get a touchdown in this game 
one way or the other. So I feel like that – I feel like CMC is just a given. He's going to be there. He is their MVP. He's the MVP candidate for – he's the offensive player of the year for a reason, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he's my one. So my number one is going to be Chase Young. Okay. Uh, we know that what Andy Reid's going to probably do is use his running backs in pass protection more often than not. And yeah. what they're likely going to do is chip off of Nick Bosa every chance they get. So I think the one defensive lineman that the 49ers have right now that has the most opportunities one-on-one is going to be Chase Young, whether that's on Donovan Smith, whether that's on Jawan Taylor. I mean, he used to be, what, like the best player in college football. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be the number one overall pick, but obviously you got Joe Burrow that year. Um, but, yeah, he was uh, he he, he kind of fell off, but, you know, I think he still has a bunch of latent potential. And it's a guy that can actually make a really good impact in this game, especially if Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor are kept on their heels by him. His speed, his power is incredible. If he can tap into that potential that we saw at Ohio State, then, yeah, he's going to be a impact player for sure. Yeah, I, I think that's a good get. I think he's going to get, you know, probably the most opportunities – of his career right here, you talked about him being pick number two overall, and he's a, his, he has a chance to prove why in this game, and he's going to have a lot of one-on-one matchups. So, Gabe, if you want to wrap things up with your number one, we'll go to mine and wrap it's things up It's also CMC. Break. CMC, um, yeah. Same thing as Dom said. It's just CMC's pretty outrageous, best running back in the league, and your run defense is ranked 18th, I believe, off the top of my head, yeah. somewhere around there. So you got to find a way to stop him. Yeah, CMC uh, – uh, very obvious choice. My, I think I have an even more obvious one with number one, uh, mine being Kelsey. Clearly, we talked about him, or I talked about him in the Fred Warner matchup, and we saw what he was able to do against an all-pro safety like Kyle Hamilton last week, go for 11 and 116 and a <clears throat> touchdown. So he comes in at my number one impact players. Before we go too far, too deep into that, we're going to go to break, come back, recap all of the action from on Sunday, and break down the Super Bowl a little bit. And So don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Whole Nine Yards on KZLX. Hello and welcome back in to The Whole Nine Yards. I'm Keaton Smith with Gabe Travis, Brock Krusky, and Dominic Carrera with a couple of heater of games to recap, might I add. Uh, heater championship weekend we'll recap the first game or chronologically as they took place we'll start with kansas city at baltimore 17 10 win for kansas city as i said a little bit earlier lamar jackson was actually the passing leader in this game as i don't think i predicted he had for 272 pacheco was the rushing leader which again i didn't predict 68 yards and travis kelsey the receiving leader with 116 yards so i'm just gonna uh, start things off with asking what was your impression of the game i Oh, we'll start with Gabe. Gabe, you predicted the Ravens to win. Uh, did you predict them to, what was that, win by seven or so? Yeah, it was something like that. And uh, you got the little bit backwards. Chiefs end up winning by seven. So what were, what were your initial thoughts on the game? Um, well, I mean, I I think the world kind of picked the Ravens. I I mean, on paper, they're the better team. Yeah. Um, but I think you and I talked off air. We said if you have Mahomes, you have a chance to win the game no matter what. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the Ravens' performance, they just looked – out of sync everywhere it really i hate comparing it but it really reminded me of the cowboys like when i watched that game i'm like lamar looks like he's freaking out missing wide open throws they're not handing the ball off Mm -hmm. because in my mind the ravens aren't built to come back so when the ravens are behind like you jumped out to 14-0 the ravens were behind so they're like okay we need to get downfield and score we can't just hand the ball off like we always do and just run and run and run so I think that really went to your advantage. Your offense really came in clutch, I think, towards the beginning because mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what set up your yeah. pass defense to be able to lock exactly. them up when they went to a pass offense. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the Chiefs look good. The offense looked good, especially in the first half. The offense looked like it did two years ago, yeah. you know. So I don't know. I, I, I also want to say this because I said this to Keaton multiple times at the house. I said Lamar is a glorified Dak because Lamar gets paid. <laughs> he did. How much money? Two hundred something million. I have million. to say, you you told me about this, and I actually found like a tweet about like comparing mm-hmm. the two guys or something. I yes. Think. So Lamar gets paid, let's just say two thirty million off the top of my head. I don't know what it is. Dak got paid one hundred sixty million for four years, so that's forty million a year. Lamar gets paid way more than that. Loses in the first round. Well, I can't say in the first round, but has what the same amount of wins same in amount, the playoff same, as Dak the exact same amount chokes has a better chokes <laughs> just like Dak chokes just like Dak and you could argue had a better roster especially defensively i don't know about offensively but they had a better roster yeah. so i mean 
I just think it's kind of funny. Just Dak, some, just, just some fun similarities yeah, there. Dak will always get hate because he's a Cowboys quarterback, yeah. but I'm just saying it's a pretty interesting comparison, and, and I will leave it at that. So, that? Uh, yeah. so I'll, I'll build off that, but I, I have a bunch of thoughts. But okay. we can go with Brock. I just want to go off this. So playoff career, I literally have the stat mm-hmm. pulled up. So Lamar is 2-4. and four. Dak is 2-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Team points per game in the playoff, 16-24.1 to 24.1 for Dak. 57 completion percentage to 64 for Dak. Mm. 307 yards per game to 303, pretty much a push. Lamar in the playoffs, nine touchdowns, nine turnovers. Dak, 18 touchdowns, seven turnovers. Passer rating, 75 for Lamar and 91 for Dak. So, so it is better. It's a runaway. So that that almost looks like it's the cow. If you just look at those stats, it looks like it's the defense's fault. Y- yeah, you, for, but, for Dak for yes, sure. But a lot yes. of times, it's it's uh, the but Cowboys will ball. play kind of an easier opponent yes. in the first yes. round because they're like a one seed or something, and then get to get. But yeah. Uh, I just I had that I knew I had that stat in my phone, but I, yeah, okay. like yeah, Brock, you just, you just had yeah. that. I don't want to build on that, but I rest yeah. my case. Yeah, you know that like Dak's better than Lamar. In, like, I'm just in general. I'm, Lamar's a glorified Dak, overpaid Dak. <laughs> Okay. So the way I watch this game, like I tend to not be biased when I'm in this room and doing this stuff, just because I feel like that'd be boring. Mm-hmm. So um, the way that I view it is, I hate the way the media is, was covering this game. I hate the way that people are saying that Lamar choked this game. I hate the way that people are saying that Patrick Mahomes led his team to victory. No, the Chiefs' defense beat Lamar Jackson. The Chiefs' defense won the game for the Chiefs. I don't know why this is being skipped over. Like it, that's what makes me like mad more than anything else is Lamar didn't choke it's the Chiefs defense that completely suffocated him mm-hmm. so that's the way I view it is like you you notice if you watch the game against the Texans and you know the Texans have a solid defense D'Amico Ryan's first year head coach defensive play caller yeah. he's solid he's his defense has been solid all year long but the second they face the Chiefs all of a sudden this offense collapse and you that's not that's not a Lamar thing that's not a Lamar thing and I understand he made some bad choices, bad throws in that game. Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that the way that Steve Spagnuolo runs this defense, it's designed to make that happen. Josh Allen had the same issue last week. We made Tua Tungavailoa, Tua turned the ball over, that, that, that entire thing. We, our, our defense is built to face X-Factor quarterbacks, and that's exactly what's happening. So with the guys that we're playing right now, they're not choking. They're just having a very difficult time trying to read the way our defense is structured, and that's multiple blitzes coming from in between the hashes. You got defensive ends dropping into hook to curl. You got a whole bunch of disguise cover two, cover zero concepts. And, you know, it's a masterpiece to watch this. And so, obviously, I do believe that Lamar Jackson could have had a better game on the, uh, like on the ground. But if you think about it, like the way that we were playing with our defensive tackles, playing safe back there, there wasn't anything that he could do other yeah, than not a lot of lanes. East, yeah. east to coast. And um, <clears throat> I think, furthermore, um, the reason they didn't run the ball more than 16 times, like you noticed in the first quarter, very first drive, they ran the ball on fourth and one with Lamar, right? Yep. And I understand he's the biggest weapon, but why take that chance when you have somebody like Gus Edwards or uh, Justice Hill? Like, there's obviously something, and I think it was because we were running over fronts against their stacked uh, offensive line with, like, Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely run blocking. We were running over fronts a lot to that. And so the way that I view it was that they abandoned the run because of just the way we were making their backs run, like, east to west. Yeah, so, so you're saying just the speed of the, of I think the, the backers? The, and I think the else. speed of the backers, and okay. like they lack power, I think, of those, uh, all three of their backfield. So yeah. we, we took away the run before they had a chance to get to it. It wasn't something that we could just, or they just stopped doing. I think this was somewhat of a play call issue for the Ravens, but I hate the people that are blaming Lamar for this loss and not crediting the Chiefs defense for the win. Okay, yeah, the, I was going to say going into that game, something I, I did say, or one of us said, I forget who it was, but the Chiefs had an opportunity to just pretty much out-stify the Ravens. And what I mean by that is is you're going into this game with two elite defenses, or I guess some people underrated the Chiefs defense, whatever. We knew it was two elite defenses going into this one. And, and two offenses that have had their points where they've looked really good and had their points where they looked really bad. So if the, the Chiefs went into that game with just a chance to, to straight up stifle them harder than the Ravens could stifle the Chiefs' offenses, which is exactly what happened. The Chiefs were able to put up two early touchdown drives, and that was pretty much the end of it. So, yeah, uh, a really interesting game in Baltimore. It was, was there anything, uh, like, player-wise or uh, decision-wise from the head coaching that 
surprise any of you guys, or was there any Legereus Sneed's uh, composure? I think you just got burned for like a mm. what a forty yard game by a rookie. He stood over you. He made a taunting penalty, whatever. Whether or not you agree with that call, I don't care. But the yeah. fact that he didn't let that get to his head, turned around the very next play, hit a reset, and then forced a fumble is incredible to me. And that speaks a lot to like I'm not I'm not glazing by any means necessary, but I'm telling you that it takes a lot of composure from a player to after giving up a, such a big mistake like that, especially when you can come close and make a game a three point mm-hmm. game at that point to, to turn around and make a big play immediately afterward. It takes it takes a lot, and so that's like something that really surprised me from that game. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure, I think Zay Flowers is the first receiver since week one to go over 65 yards and a touchdown on this Chiefs defense since Amon Ross St. Brown did it. And, yeah, like you said, uh, LeJerry Sneed or whoever it was had given up a, a long play to Zay Flowers, and Zay Flowers had pushed Sneed down with his arm and, like, threw the ball at him and kind of taunted and flexed. Yeah. and and that can invoke a lot of emotion, especially yeah. in a defensive back. And he kept his composure, reset, and yeah, it was made a play. A, yeah, it was called a penalty. Set the Ravens back. Zay Flowers catches another short pass and fumbles on the goal line. And that fumble Punched was caused by Legarius Sneed uh, on the one-yard line, like right before. Yeah. It, on, we had a great angle of it. And it was, it was the play that won the Chiefs the game. So, yeah, a, a really excellent composure there from Legarius Sneed. is able to help his team come out on top in Baltimore. All right, go ahead, Dom. Yeah, I think that loss falls solely on Todd Munkin and Lamar Jackson. That was okay. so. First of all, awful game plan by Todd Munkin. Um, very susceptible to the run. 18th, 18th best run defense. You run eight designed run plays, which like cool. You can talk about technique and everything, but like there's this, they're playing that too high shell that's not allowing anything over the top. That's kind of what the Chiefs have been doing all year. And when you try to make turn Lamar into Mahomes, it doesn't work. The game plan going into this is make Lamar throw. And listen, MVP, I hate the running back jokes or whatever, but in this game it was kind of prevalent. I mean, he threw the ball, what, 30, 30 some, almost 40, 40 times, something like that. I I don't know, but uh, yeah. this game, first of all, talking into it, they're going into the game plan absolutely atrocious. Like, the... There were so many opportunities for running read options and utilizing Lamar's legs in a scripted manner that should have been used. Like, the fourth down play call, I yeah. thought was great. Yeah, I thought it was. I, I thought 100%. Seeing I thought, them line up in that early as a Chiefs fan was something that, oh, I was terrified. that really scared me. That's the, one yeah. thing that I was, that's the one thing I was nervous for is because uh, since 2018, the most rushing quarterback touchdowns in the entire NFL have been given up by the Chiefs because you go up against Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson so often. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, man, they're just going to do it. And like the play to Zay Flowers that ended up being the, the punch out by Snead, I was like, they're about to run it with Lamar Jackson and get an easy touchdown. Um, yeah. but going into the Lamar Jackson side of things, I think Josh Allen, um, last week, and we talked about this, I don't think he really deserved any blame except for the final drive because, um, the final drive for Josh Allen, Okay. I yeah. think good, like, obviously you can talk about, uh, Deion Dawkins being in his face or whatever, but. I don't know. I feel like there's some overcoming of whatever, and like he tried to make that kill shot in the end zone or whatever. This game falls on Lamar Jackson. You are the MVP, and the whenever he drops back to pass, it's normally with the Ravens. It's one two, and then if you don't see something, you take off and go. And especially with Willie Gay being out, Drew Tranquil is not gonna win a race. Is not gonna win a running. A, a running match or track yeah. with Lamar Jackson. It's not what it is, but it's less of that. But it's every single time there was a slot fade or something, Lamar would overthrow him by one or two yards. And you could, there was a little bit of physicality in the slot or whatever, but mm-hmm. they were letting him play. Um, the like the checkdowns to the sideline or whatever were going three feet above the guy's head, and it doesn't matter. And I understand you're frustrated, and I understand you haven't played from behind the entire season. But that pass into triple coverage is one of the worst throws I've ever seen. That it was. A I mean, he, he did stick his hand up. So I mean, so the reason that Isaiah likely he threw his hand up is because he didn't see the safety over top coming down. If he threw it like cool, it would have been an insane pass if he would have got a touchdown. I, I also saw. But, sorry, go ahead. But no, go, go 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 ahead. I was gonna say I also saw a breakdown of that film. So on that on that route where it was picked off by likely, he just kind of ran a streak on the on the seam. 
And what was supposed to happen is OBJ was supposed to run a dig and bring that other safety down that came and picked it off. OBJ, it took him, I saw the clip, it took him like eight seconds to run a dig. He got like pressed and then just like slipped out of his route and it was, which is why that other safety came over and picked it off. So, I mean, it was kind of OBJ's fault, but again, it's still a bad ball. Absolutely. Um, But just going in, first of all, the blame for, like we were talking about, it's not one or the other. I'm not saying the Chiefs didn't win this game because obviously I, Great win, like I'm so excited, whatever. But if it's one or the other, the Ravens 100% lost this game. You're the best rushing team in the NFL. You've gone 36 straight games with over 100 rushing yards, and you give it to your feature backs like six times. It's absolutely embarrassing. But on the Chiefs side of things, I thought the offensive, I'm, I think the both game plans were absolutely marvelous and it was uh, it was a perfect game plan defensively they made Lamar throw and sort of mixing up those blitzes with uh Carl Loftus and sort of bringing Chris Jones on the outside or whatever and offensively it never felt like they didn't have control of the game once they went mm-hmm. up two scores what this Chiefs team is doing is just saying okay you want it on you yeah. okay you want to you're gonna have to go out and score us and obviously the penalties are a big part of it. I mean, they had seven personal yeah. fouls, which, like, two, that's th- two of them were on the final drive uh, before the end of the half where Butker got the long field goal to uh, put put the Chiefs up, uh, what was it, 17-7 seven, and a half? Yeah. Um, but there was, like, you look at the final game script of the second half and the Chiefs went punt, 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 kneel down. But they held a double-digit lead on every single one of those possessions, except for the final one, you know what they did? They threw the long ball to MVS, a player that everyone has been asking to get cut all year. Which, listen, I did. I, I yeah. have, I've, I've had my fair share of MVS hate. Um, but Mahomes trusts his players, and I mean, they got it done. When you have the, the best quarterback yeah. to ever step foot on a football field, it's good things are going to happen. And yeah, that's what I say. I, I'm. We can go yeah. way more in-depth about it, like, next week and talk about, like, everything yeah. in the game plan. But, man, it's going to be a really exciting matchup here in Vegas. My, my, my only take on this will will be that I do agree. I think, obviously, Lamar Jackson didn't play well enough to get it done. But that's not where the focus should be. It should be on the defense. He, they The defense absolutely locked them down. They deserve the credit for the win. My only thing is about them getting out of their play call. Play calling is... You can't let a defense get you out of your out of your scheme. Once you get out of your scheme, you're playing another team's game. Well, that's that's which, kind of, which is what I think. That so the way that I'm thinking about it is Tom Munkin and that Ravens offense they thrive off of perimeter running games. Yeah. And so the issue with that is that you have seen how fast our defensive backs are downhill. We saw that big tackle in the third quarter, I think, where Justin Reed just flew out of nowhere and tackled that was uh, a great play. tackled Gus Edwards for a mm-hmm. two yard loss. That's what Todd Munkin is trying to avoid. And obviously, when you look at it like that, yeah. Like, you see how fast Snead and McDuffie get out of their blocks from wide receivers. They have a 5'9 wide receiver in Zay Flowers on the perimeter and in the slot. <laughs> yeah. Odell Beckham without two ACLs. And they got Rashad Bateman, who's notoriously been weak for them so far. There's no blocking from the wide receivers happening on the perimeter with our physicality of our corners. The safety's coming down as well. You'd have to have like an insanely athletic guard to pull out and make that kickout block for that to work. It didn't happen like that fast. So they're only left with running inside. The issue with that is that they don't have the power offensively to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I stand by what Todd Munkin did because the way that they, they can't run the perimeter against our defensive backs coming downhill. You it's stand impossible. by them having eight scripted run plays against the 18th best run defense in the NFL with a Menahue going out in the, fourth, in the first quarter? Okay, I stand by the fact that they abandoned the outside running game. You think about like 65% of the rushing yards this season have become from outside perimeter running attack. And the thing is with the Chiefs defense is that we may not be good covering the run between the tackles, but we sure are good at covering outside the tackles because the defensive backs come downhill ridiculously fast and make the tackle in the backfield, and nothing ever materializes because the receivers aren't ever strong enough to go ahead and block and get leverage on Snead and McDuffie when they're on the perimeter. But but the way that I think about it is the fact that 100%, I think, I think, 100% yeah. sure, but you're so susceptible up the middle. 
why it's not like they didn't they ran it up the middle and oh they got stopped a couple times and they completely abandoned it it was the complete opposite for the chiefs that's what happened with the chiefs pacheco had like 3.4 yards of carry or something something around that line yeah. and the chiefs stuck with it because that was their game plan well there's different personnel there like you think about isaiah pacheco he's a powerful guy he's going to punish the ground gus edwards and justice hill are smaller backs they're not going to be able to withhold the power that pacheco has and so when you have speed backs and a lot of speed on your offense, then you're going to be better at perimeter runs. When you don't have that speed and you have more power based, then inside runs are going to come easier to you. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that like I do, I do think Todd Munkin could have used Lamar Jackson's legs more on designed runs, yes, yeah. but I don't think they could have done anything more than what they did with the running backs. Yeah, that and that's fine. My only my only thing is I think is the quarterback runs is why didn't we see more designed quarterback runs up the middle? I guess because that works so well. Obviously, the one time they did it, but the one time they did it, it went for 21 yards. So, yeah, that's probably what we'll have to end that debate because we still have another game to talk about. And let's get to talking about that game. So, yeah, the Detroit Lions traveled up to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers, and the Niners were just able to edge it out over Detroit 34-31. to Jared Goff, the leading passer in this game, with 273. Sam Laporta, the, reading, the leading receiver, with 97 yards. And David Montgomery, the leading rusher, with 93 yards. So, uh, again, any 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 thoughts on this game? What, what was the biggest takeaways from this game that you guys that you guys saw? Gabe, if you want to start. Oh man, there's um, there, there's a there's a lot to say about this game. I think I think the glaring issue is the decision to mm. go. Let's we'll start with that actually. What 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 all did y'all think about the decision? Gabe, you start and then we'll move around. I like how Dan Campbell's aggressive personally. I yeah. really do because as an as an Iowa fan, it really pains me if we're like fourth and one at the five <laughs> and we kick a field goal. Like it just bothers me because that's all I see. Yeah. So I like. There's a difference between being aggressive and being overly aggressive. Mm-hmm. I think when you're down three in the NFC Championship, you're like, this is our first time potentially to go to the Super Bowl ever. Yeah. You're down three, and you're at what? It's a 45-yard field goal. I understand your kicker's iffy once you get past 45 yards, but I I think you got to take the points there, man. I think that shows either a lack of trust in your kicker, or I think that shows that you're way too confident in your offense or lack of confidence in your defense mm. because I, I think you got to tie that game there because they hurt him in the end because yeah. they went down and scored and then they're still down three yeah initially watching that i think we all were on the same page that we at least all wanted them to kick it just because i think when you play a game you play to win that to win the game obviously and in that situation i think you have to extend the game as much as you can and put the most pressure on the opposing team which is i don't, I don't think they did so what do you what do you guys think about that decision domin domin brought you can go. You can go first. You know, I just thought it, I I do. I'm gonna agree with Gabe on this one. I think that I I am a big fan of Dan Campbell's aggressiveness and willingness to take chances like that. Yeah. But in, in an instance where you haven't been able to score in the second half, and your team is becoming a victim to a comeback from Kyle Shanahan in that offense, it, it's pretty clear that in the second half they didn't trust their defense. And so I think that's kind of what Gabe was talking about. Is like. They would, would they trust their offense too much or didn't trust their defense enough? I think they didn't trust their defense enough or in that in that uh, second half, and so that's why he did it, but I don't stand by it. I think it was way too aggressive, and he's right. Agreed. He should have taken the points. It was also like fourth and four, yeah. wasn't yeah, it? Was, it, it, was, was, it wasn't yeah, even it like was fourth it, and oh, one. Oh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. like fourth and two, which is what I guess like the analytics there or yeah. whatever. It was like fourth and four. So what do you think about that, Dom? I mean, I stand by it. I think that that's the reason that they got there is, is their aggressive – uh, play calling. I think the the one where you're down three. I mean, you've had a spotty kicker for the. I mean, he hasn't been there the entire season. Um, obviously, he's in the NFL. He should be able to make that kick. But um, the one that I really disagree with is when you're up 14 and they went for the fourth down. The difference from being up 17 and 14, if you're in a track meet, if you're still within two score, I feel like you're still in it. Yeah. Games like the Chiefs game, you feel like one score, you always uh-huh. got a chance or whatever. Um, but the difference between three scores and two scores is so big in this league, and I feel like they really could have put it away there. The call that I actually despised, I'm, every other call I was like, mm, I don't know if I would have done it, but it's easy to look in hindsight because if they got it, it's, yeah. oh my gosh, then Dan like Campbell's so good. Yeah. The call That's that fair. I absolutely despised is third and goal from the one, and you're running it with three timeouts, and you also take agree. a timeout. Oh, that, yeah. that call is absolutely atrocious because essentially you have a better chance – 
um, just throwing it twice or whatever and being on fourth and goal than running it, wasting that clock or whatever, and then you take that time out. NFL kickers are like one for 34 on the year on onside kicks. It's yeah. something crazy like that. It just doesn't happen anymore with the rules in place. So that call, I was like, why are you calling a timeout? Because you end up kicking it to him. Mm-hmm. You get a three and out and whatever, um, and you give your offense a chance. So that was the call that I really disagreed with. Yeah. Um, but the other ones, I I don't disagree with at all. I mean, the, the Lions are going to be aggressive all the time, and, yeah. oh, it's going to bite them eventually. They got to the NFC Championship doing that, and, like, I feel so bad for the city of Detroit, man. Like, that's that's absolutely awful. It's a yeah. horrible way to end. But, I mean, 17-point lead, but they're going to be back. Like, yeah, I feel like I, I feel agree. like they're so young. Um, the only player that I didn't like, uh, that I don't like on the Lions is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, I think he's, he's an absolute <laughs> clown. Why are you – so you're up, you're up by 10 points in I have second or third quarter, and you're waving goodbye. Second, second quarter. In the second quarter, and you're waving goodbye to the offense. And after uh, after complaining last year in the Super Bowl, kind of a, a little bit of a clown show. You got your chain took, man. It, yeah, you did. It's unfortunate. But, yes, uh, yeah, but going back to the main part, not Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I, I 100% stand with that's who they are. The running call on third down on the goal line was atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, certainly. Especially using that timeout, too. If, you, if you're going to call that run play, you have to have another have play. You have to. Exactly. Yeah. You have to have another play ready to go. And Because if you call that timeout, like you said, you don't get that onside kick, the game is over. And it was. But uh, part of that game we didn't talk about was the comeback. It, it started 24-7 for the Lions, that the Lions were just absolutely humming offensively in that first half, putting up 24 points, and then... They allow twenty-seven unanswered in the second half. Who 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 gets who should get the credit for that? Who do you guys think should? Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. No I, other. I one hundred percent is Kyle Shanahan. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate. Yeah, I think the one thing that bothered me the most was all the tweets and posts after the game saying. Uh, like how people should regret calling Brock Purdy a game manager. Like, no, no. He's a puppet. He's a puppet for Kyle Shanahan. He's the only reason Brock Purdy is good. Like, that's, I'm, I'll stand by that. 90% of Brock Purdy is Kyle Shanahan. I'm just saying. I think my, my take on the Brock Purdy debacle, which is probably – we're going to have to do a Brock Purdy this or that later on. I think we already did one, but did we, did we do one? Uh, no, we haven't. We okay, didn't. We're going to have to. Either way um, – yeah, I think my my take on the whole Brock Purdy thing is he can there can be a different I think there can be it doesn't have to be oh he's just a game manager or he's just or he's like really good. It can be a little bit of both. My only thing on it is that everything he's doing is stuff that Jimmy G could theoretically do. Yes, exactly. I which is which I think is I think that's where I stand. So what do you, what do you think, Don? I, no, I completely disagree, man. I'm on I'm in the Brock Purdy hate. Like I've been on the Brock Purdy hate party the entire year. Yeah. Um, when they play bad, it's his fault, and there's not a single there's not a single second that you look at the Ravens or not the Ravens at the Niners and think he's not the weakest link on the team. I mean, the offensive line may be weak, weak but whatever. It is 100% Brock Purdy. That credit 100% goes to Brock Purdy. The 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 scrambling ability that Brock Purdy has shown, um, especially this game. This was the best scrambling game of his career. Yeah, um, the evading, I forget who he broke off, but the throw to Kyle. Uh, use check on the sideline was incredible. I think that um, for the most part, the criticisms of Brock Purdy are valid, and I think he is is a system quarterback. But Jimmy G never put up these numbers. Jimmy G never led the league in passer rating, and was like this. I th- I think that he does have to get over the top, but I don't I don't think that would prove anything else. I mean, he is he is the perfect quarterback for the Niners. I don't think we did talk about that. He last is a hundred percent the. I don't think that you ever was like, oh, you could put Josh Allen or well, Mahomes, or, <laughs> but, which is true. But no, but here's the thing: is that if you put those guys on there, you lose the ability to pay everyone else. Exactly. Is that dollar for dollar, he's probably the best or second best player in the entire NFL, and I think that dollar for dollar. Um, yeah, I mean, he's getting paid less than a million dollars. Well, here. yeah, and I think um, I think people talk about him like he's been in the league for six years. This is his this is guy's second year in the, in the NFL. Does he have uh, the third like whatever tight end? One of the best tight ends in the NFL, probably the best receiving core and the best running back in the NFL. Sure. Do I ever look at some of the basic plays and think, wow, that was an incredible throw to George Kittle for three yards? No, absolutely not. But the comeback that he led goes to Brock Purdy. I think that okay. this is the one scenario the entire year 
Maybe last week he gets some, but the reason they were down is because he played awful. And that interception this week was horrendous. Yeah, it was. That was in. I think he should have had two. That, of exactly. course, exactly. Um, but I think that this week, I think the consensus of oh, uh, that doesn't go to him, isn't warranted. Every other week, 100%. I think that he plays through CMC and he is a game manager and whatever. But this week, but this the week- credit goes to Brock Purdy. Okay. Yeah, uh, Brock Purdy definitely had probably one of his probably his legacy game, I would say, scrambling for a couple late first downs with his legs. It's, it really sealed it, sealed it for the Niners, and they're going to be bringing their, what is that, third? No, a second Super Bowl appearance in the last four or five years. So, yeah, uh, really interesting game there. I don't know if we have anything else to talk about per se because these games were the only two games going on, of course. But uh, since Brock and uh, Draven are switching shows weekly, we're going to have Brock do his his Super Bowl prediction, which will be the first one of our show. So uh, we'll predict score, uh, Super Bowl MVP, and give me X Factor of the game. I like that. Gatorade color. Yeah, okay, Gatorade so. color. Will Will Travis Kelsey propose after the game? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> um, I hope so. Not within six months. Come on. Uh, Next year they will. So just the way that uh, so we were just talking about Brock Purdy, and you know, I think you made a good point about Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they are two different quarterbacks, but I think the play... No, they're the same quarterback with different play styles. So I think Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the reason that he wasn't the same like stat-wise as Brock Purdy because he doesn't take nearly enough chances that Brock Purdy does. And I think that's part of the reason like Brock Purdy is had a solid season because he takes more chances than or yeah, a more up and down season. You yeah, could say. yeah. Okay, but I, I, you know, I just I don't think that he. You put him on the Bills. You put him on the Vikings. He's not the same. I'm gonna. I'll stand by that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that. I don't know, think anyone disagrees with yeah. that. I mean, that's just, I think it's a play call thing. I think it's a play call thing. You were talking about the Niners earlier, how their offense is tempo-based. They get people open. I think that plays in Brock Purdy's favor. I think that, um, you know, the way that I view the Super Bowl is the Chiefs are going to harass Brock Purdy all day long. Okay. And at this point, it's going to be Shanahan versus the Chiefs defense because he's going to have to be in his ear telling him what's coming, telling him how to adjust – because the way that um, I think it's going to roll out is Chiefs 23, 49ers 13. Okay. I think it's going to be closer to what the Rams and Patriots were a couple years ago. It's like a 13-10 Super Bowl than what we saw in the last Chiefs-Niners Super Bowl. I think the offense is just not really there for either team. I think the, the Niners get off to a good jump, maybe a long CMC touchdown to start the game off. But they get down the field, Chiefs stifle them in the red zone, they come away with two extra field goals. But um, I think that just the way they're going to harass Brock Purdy, especially on the right side of that offensive line where they don't have Trent Williams, mm-hmm. and they're going to bring the pressure. I think McDuffie and I like the Chamari Connor. I think they're going to, I think they're going to make some big plays. But I do not expect Brock Purdy to do well in this game, just because of the defense and how confusing this defense can be. It's mm-hmm. supposed. It's it, you can shut down Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and the passing offense of the Miami Dolphins to almost non-existent levels. You take away Stephon Diggs. You take away all these guys. Yeah, Tyreek Hill, yeah. Yeah, you, you, you can't. I don't think they survive. I don't think it's any chance. Like you, they're gonna have to lean on the run game, which mm-hmm. I understand. That's yeah. gonna be what keeps them in it. But I think. The Chiefs come away with this one, and it's not an exciting game, honestly. Yeah. Uh, early thoughts on that on that Niners that Niners Chiefs defense matchup? Anyone? So yeah, I think the Niners obviously have an advantage defensively. Like yeah, you, you well, got a defensive line. I think our offensive line, you know, it's 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 it, our our offensive line is pretty inconsistent. I mean, they've been okay lately, but you know, yeah, when you're gonna have to get against, some chips. Yeah, you're gonna have to come off and play aggressive, especially against Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave. You said the Niners' defense is better than the Chiefs. No, I said the Niners' defensive line is going to be. No, 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 but no. Just it, in general, do you think the Niners? I think it's going to be a tougher challenge for the Chiefs' offense than the Niners' defense against the Chiefs' defense. Uh, Niners' offense against the Chiefs' defense. So you're saying Niners will have a harder time. I think offense. the Niners. Uh, I think the Niners yeah. will have a harder time. Okay. Hold okay. on, let me rephrase. Hold on, I'm back. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, yeah, I got you. So I, I, the, I think I, what I was saying is that the mm-hmm. Niners' offense is going to have a tougher time throwing a football, but the Chiefs. Is the Chiefs are not going to have enough time in the pocket to make a, like a good throw. So okay. that just just the way their defenses are structured are different. 
Okay, so so going to this one, you get are we all collectively more confident in the Chiefs offense than the Niners offense facing these defenses or what? I don't think so, I really. Don't. So um, you, you go, you go ahead, go ahead. Okay, I was just gonna say. If you want to go weapon by weapon, I think the Niners have more. And I've been yeah. a Brock Purdy yeah. hater since he was at Iowa State. So, <laughs> well, that's what so you've been here. Down to. Oh, yeah. I've, I've been on the Brock Purdy hate train forever. So I think – I don't know. Your defense is good, which really, really helps. But I think if you want to compare offenses, I think Niners have the edge. So so you're more confident in them? I'm more confident in the Niners' offense. But so I'm more com- but the fact that you have Mahomes makes me, like, iffy on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was going to say, well, where does that – so where does that trust come from, Shanahan? I think the trust comes – the trust comes from Shanahan, but I think the trust also comes from CMC, honestly. Yeah. I was going to say, um, we talked about how, or Brock talked about how good the Chiefs are at containing that outside run, uh, something the Niners do really well, so that's going to be a big matchup. Dami, you, you said you had something to say about that. Uh, well, yes. <laughs> uh, I So I was talking to Jackson about this mm-hmm. um, before class, and it, it may sound a little jarring to hear. I'm more scared of facing Lamar Jackson, or I'm more scared of facing Brock Purdy than I am Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen for the simple fact that when those guys have played the Chiefs, what have led to the downfall of both of those games are both of them trying to be the superhero and try to be Mahomes, whether it's Josh Allen not taking the drag route to Stephon Diggs and then leaving to the missed field goal, or Lamar Jackson insert 15 plays that he made that he could have made from the last mm-hmm. game here. That's not what Brock Purdy is. Brock Purdy isn't a superhero, whatever is. He's just going to take three steps back, and whatever's open, he's going to throw the check down. And I think that's going to be a problem for the Chiefs. Now, that being said, the Chiefs are the best second-half defense in the entire NFL, only giving up four points a game the uh, the entire, the last, I think, eight or nine weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think another really big thing is, is that they're first in yards given up per game and uh, second in points given up per game, and a lot of that was without generating turnovers, mm-hmm. and I think that, um, I don't know if Brock Purdy's going to turn the ball, ball over in this game. Honestly, right. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't turn the ball over in this game because of how um, sort of structured Kyle Shanahan's going to keep it, but when it comes to edges, I would obviously give the Chiefs the better defense. I think that the Chiefs have the better defense, but I think that um, the Chiefs' defense is going to have a harder time defending what Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme up compared to um, the Chiefs' offense going up against that defense. I think that um, the Niners' offense is going to – I think they're going to put up some points, man. I think it's going to be a, a higher-scoring game than people are anticipating, and I think it's going to okay. be very close. Like, I am – it's scary because I'm not n- nervous, per se, because like I was extremely nervous for the Ravens game and extremely mm-hmm. nervous for the Bills game. This game, I'm not really nervous – I'm just um, I'm not gonna know what happens yeah. till I see it because yeah. like it could be any of three. It could be a really close game. Niners could just contain the Chiefs' offense and blow them out, or the Chiefs could just shut everything down. And Mahomes has a master class, which he's known to, known to have a disaster class in Super Bowls. So early sort of takeaways. Okay, yeah, I, this is definitely one of the more interesting matchups of the last five five Super Bowls, I'd say, um, just because of you know we we. These teams have already seen each other once, and these teams are kind of coming in with much different rosters, much different looking rosters than before. So it's going to be a really interesting game, and yeah, it's sort of it's sort of flipped. So like the yeah. Chiefs, the Chiefs kind of had they had an opportunistic defense, but the Niners were the ones with the crazy, crazy defense. Yeah, they had the now the Chiefs have the crazy them. defense, but the Niners have this crazy, crazy offense, and all it's weird. It's sort of flip flopped. Yeah, uh, so def- we're definitely in for a good Super Bowl. Again, I, I think this one's going to be really close, just like Dom said. But I think that's going to wrap up uh, most of what we have to talk about, if not all of what we have to talk about today. So when uh, when we come back next week, we're going to do our Super Bowl predictions. Brock did his today. And we'll probably predict some award winners because that's going to be announced uh, before next week is over too. So thank you guys a lot for listening. This has been The Whole Nine Yards with Keaton Smith, Smith Brock Krusky, Gabe, Travis, and Dominic Carrera, and we'll be back same time, same place next week. Thank you for listening.